When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talks podcast. I am Dan Lobby. Of course, our daily podcast. I'm not going to give you that whole spiel because we've been over it over and over. You should know by now we're every single day. So just make sure you get subscribed. And I am joined today uh, by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm great, Dan. You know, I was thinking I'm actually really glad to have something to write about, something to talk about. So uh, even though I know it's been very controversial whether or not the NFL should be proceeding with all of this stuff, I've been grateful to be busy. And of course, I'm also joined by Ellis Williams. And uh, Ellis, joining us from Minnesota, as always, how, how are you? Yeah, holding it down here in the north. Um, you know, despite everything going on, these weeks are flying by. We're in full draft mode. So it's just player profiles and trying to get to know these guys' names and where they're from and what they can do and how they may help the Browns. So uh, that's helping kill a lot of time. Okay, so Mary Kay, you mentioned the, that we have some things to write about and talk about. And one of the reasons is uh, Friday, early in the morning, kind of early in the morning uh, in this quarantine life, we had uh, Andrew Barry available via conference calls. The first time we've gotten to talk to Andrew since the Combine, uh, I guess this sort of serves as his pre-draft press conference as well. So we had our ch a chance to pick his brain via conference call. So we each picked something out here, and we're going to talk through those. And Ellis, we're going to start with you. What did you take away uh, from Andrew Barry on Friday? Yeah, one thing that really stood out to me was the topic of finally kind of the elephant in the room where, all right, we've got these four tackle prospects, but we keep saying tackle prospects because two of them, Jedrick Wills, and um, Tristan Wirfs of Iowa play right tackle uh, at their respective universities. And the Browns are in need of a left tackle. So we've just been calling them tackles, even though they're on the right side. And the Browns, of course, addressed the right side of the offensive line in signing Jack Conklin. And these guys are playing right tackle. So the question arises, you know, can they just seamlessly make the switch? Are there going to be bumps in the road? Where does Andrew Barry land on that? Well, we got him to talk about it a little bit, and he said some interesting things. We'll start with Jack Conklin. He said, uh, I've got the quote in front of me here saying, uh, Jack was a college left tackle who's been an accomplished right tackle in our league, and that is 100% accurate. He wouldn't have got the big payday from Barry himself if that wasn't true. Uh, and then he talked a little bit about Tyron Smith, who was being a good example of a guy who switched from the right side. Uh, Tyron Smith of the Dallas Cowboys switching from the right side in college to the left. And to me, I found that pretty interesting. You can take that one of two ways. Um, of course, bringing up historical examples proves points. That's how arguments work. But you, I think it's a, it's a lot more complex than that. Um, you've got to really get these prospects in-house and figure out, which they can't do, uh, all things considered. But you have to figure out how they tick, how fast they can process uh, their, their muscle memory going along with their photo, photographic memories, if you will. Um, when you're so used to seeing a view on the right side over and over again pre-snap, that changes a lot when you go to the other side of the field. 
we're talking boundary differences, different edge rushers. Where's the tight end going to be? Are you marrying the tight end with your tackle on the right side compared to the left side? It really comes down to, to scheme and just overall familiarity. So though I think talent supersedes specific, specific position, it was interesting to have Barry downplay the importance of kind of scoffing really at the idea that, uh, okay, yeah, no big deal. He played right tackle, but we can get him to play left tackle. Now we can start playing uh, the smoke screen game or the conspiracy theory game, if you will. Maybe Barry is acting like that doesn't matter. So all four tackle prospects are still in good graces with the Browns, but maybe really they're honing in on a guy like Andrew Thomas who played left tackle for the past two years at Georgia and the SEC. And maybe he wants to avoid right tackles. We're not going to know to the draft, of course, but for me, that was the biggest takeaway. I found it interesting that he downplayed the importance of drafting a left tackle specifically. You know, the other thing that I thought that was interesting about that whole tackle discussion is uh, how he made it, uh, he really stressed how it's very close between the importance of the left tackle and the right tackle. And basically he's trying to say, look, in today's NFL, both of those positions are equally, almost equally important. Traditionally, we've always looked at the left tackle as more of the marquee position, the money-making position, the blindside blocking. But nowadays, uh, you know, they're looking at both of them. And, uh, and they put that kind of an emphasis on it, which is, of course, why they ended up with Jack Conklin over there on the right side and made him, I think, the third highest paid right tackle in the NFL and why they will spend tremendous resources to get their left tackle as well. Yeah, and, and I think he, um, I mean, he really pushed back on the idea of switching sides being a problem and basically called yeah. it uh, an old way of thinking, you know, and, and Mary Kay, you mentioned it, they put pass rushers all over the place in the NFL now. Uh, and I think it just sort of serves as a reminder that, you know, we are talking about the youngest GM in the NFL. This is a guy that has come up in a very analytics heavy background, whether it was uh, you know, the time he spent with Sashi Brown and Paul DePodesta the first time around, whether it was in Philadelphia with Howie Roseman, uh, you, you kind of go through that tree a little bit and you see how this guy, the, this GM views the game. And it is different than what we just came away from when John Dorsey was the GM and, and different than, than how some other GMs might think. Uh, he, he's going to have a very, that very modern analytical approach. And, and that's part of that obviously is downplaying the importance of are you on the left side or the right side? Yeah, you know what, though? I will tell you that in talking to some of the players about it, some of those guys are not so confident that it will be such an easy and smooth transition and that it will be seamless. Now, a guy like Andrew Thomas, when I talk to him about it, he's completely confident that he can go from the right side to the left side, back to the right, inside, out, whatever you want him to do. And why can he be confident? Because he's done it. He knows he can do it. Uh, he started out, he played three years of uh, left tackle in high school. Then at Georgia, he started as a true freshman at right tackle. And then he was switched over to left tackle as a sophomore. He was able to make that switch pretty easily. And he actually dominated at the position as a sophomore and as a junior. And, uh, you know, he had no trouble with it. Then I talked to another guy like a, a Jedrick Wills, and he talks about how you know, it does, it, 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 it's a shift in, in your thinking. It's a shift in the way you look at things. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's footwork, it's handwork, it's, it's your brain. It's just everything on the, like driving, I, I likened it to driving on the other side of a car. And so I think for some guys, it's not an issue whatsoever. 
other guys, it might be a little bit. Yeah, Mary Kay, and I, I want to continue on that point, where, how you compare it to driving a car. I'm going to pull a little basketball in here. Um, at any level, sure, the NBA, the, the numbers might not be as different, but specifically the college numbers, you do some deep diving. You can find players who are better three-point shooters, and it doesn't matter either hand. It just kind of depends on the player coming from the right side of the arc or the left side of the arc. That three-point percentage can change drastically depending on where they shoot from, and that just comes with familiarity, being comfortable, and how you see the hoop. So much like what you just said, how you see the road driving on the right or the left, or how you see the offensive field on the left or right side. These are things that are very player-specific. Of course, they're all going to say the right things. They want to be the top tackle drafter. They're going to say they can make these changes. But you don't know until you try. And one more point here I want to make quickly that I think Browns fans can find some um, – maybe draft day can be a little less anxiety-filled since it seems like the Browns are headed in that, uh, down that road to draft a, a tackle. Um, though you draft a tackle at 10 and you want him to be the future at left tackle, lineman is a tough position to bust on in the league. Um, you know, if need be, you could, the rookie left tackle isn't working. You can plug them in there, give them a shot, switch them to right, have Conklin come back to left. And if it really stops working at right tackle, now you have a guy you can plug in at guard. And I know then you're getting into bus category and we're way far away from that. But I just want to say that it's not like quarterback or receiver like where these guys only play one position. You, it, it, it breeds some flexibility, you know, and these guys are all going to be valuable somewhere on the offensive line eventually. Yep. The other thing that stood out about that to me, it almost seemed like uh, Andrew was paving the way for <laughs> if they choose one of these guys that has only started at right tackle or primarily at right tackle in college, uh, more like a, a Tristan Wirfs or a Jedrick Wills, that that way he's, you know, he's kind of already setting forth expectations that it's no big deal to take that guy and move him over to the left side. So okay. be ready for that. Uh, Mary Kay, I want to go down that vein real quickly uh, because I think it's worth mentioning. I, I just think it's worth mentioning this quote. Uh, so this is in response to the Browns having not addressed their left tackle in free agency. And if that was by design and Andrew said, I would not make any assumptions regarding that. Like I mentioned, Jack has played left tackle before Chris Hubbard has played left tackle before Kendall Lamb has played left tackle. The key quote there is Jack has played left tackle before. Now, Jack Conklin made it pretty clear he sees himself as a right tackle. Kevin Stefanski didn't, if I recall right, he didn't really entertain much of, of the possibility of Conklin playing left tackle. But Correct. should we pay attention to this quote of Andrew Barry sort of just peppering in there, just one quick line, Jack has played left tackle before. Is there any, should we read into that at all? Absolutely 100% we should read into that because it opens up the possibility for them to do anything they want at number 10. And if they truly stay true to their board and players that they want are gone in those first nine picks and they end up with whatever, uh, a defensive player, some other offensive position, uh, you know, I think he's trying to say, you know, we're not wed to having to do the left tackle thing right now. We all think that's what they're going to do. It seems like it's lining up that way. Uh, but, you know, he's trying to, again, manage expectations because it might not go that way. And it is true. Jack Conklin, we know that he can make that switch from left to right and now right back to left because he's done it before, played at a high level at left tackle. So uh, it opens up some possibilities and some interesting theories. 
and adding to that very quickly, Dan, um, bad football teams or specifically teams with offensive line questions remain flexible. We lived through it last year with the Browns. The combinations felt like they were changing each week. Um, Browns fans have heard me say this before. I've played on a handful of bad football teams in my <laughs> high school and college careers. We were changing O-line combinations every which way trying to figure that out. So these guys are flexible for a reason. It adds value. And I, I really do think um, anything is possible with that combination, uh, regardless of who they come in at, at what specific spot. Okay, uh, let, let's move on to our next topic. Mary Kay, what stood out to you uh, when we heard from Andrew Barry on Friday? Well, you know, I don't think the answer was very illuminating, but I did ask him about uh, Jadavian Clowney and their interest in Jadavian and where that might stand right now. The reason why I asked it, even though I was pretty sure I wasn't going to get a great answer, was the fact that some other GMs have been answering questions like that over the last couple of weeks. We've seen John Robinson of the Titans uh, just point blank say, yeah, I've talked to, you know, I've talked to his agent, we've reached out, we're monitoring the situation. Wasn't really quite sure uh, if Andrew would be willing to be a little bit more forthcoming or revealing about that. He was not. Uh, he basically said, you know, that he's not going to uh, speculate or talk about players that are not on the Browns roster right now. I think that's taking it just a slight step too far when a player is absolutely 100% available as a free agent. This is not like we asked him about Trent Williams. He can't talk about Trent Williams. He can't talk about Anthony Harris. They are the property of another football team right now. But teams are able to talk about Jadavid and Clowney. So I think it, it provided a little insight into Andrew. He's not going to give us much. He's going to, uh, he's going to play it very, very close to the vest. And he's going to make sure that uh, anything that he says or does is not going to give him a competitive disadvantage in acquiring players, making trades, or whatever. Uh, however, he did say that he is a good player. He gave us that little nugget uh, that he does believe that Jadavian Clowney is a good player and something we already knew, and that is that they are basically kicking the tires or exploring most of the good players that become available. So you can rest assured that if there is a good player out there to be had in a trade, free agency, or whatever, uh, that the Browns are going to look into it and find out if it's a fit. Yeah, Ellis, you, uh, you kind of weren't around last year when there were a bunch of guys being thrown around, and, and John Dorsey was the GM. And John Dorsey loved to play games. You know, he loved to do with the Odell Beckham thing. My, you know, my phone, he holds up his phone at the combine when there's defensive tackles becoming available. You know, he always loved to play those games. Andrew Barry doesn't really play a lot of games when you ask him about a player, and, and he certainly wasn't going to uh, with Jadavian Clowney. But like Mary Kay said, he did sort of, I don't know, I guess in a way he kind of acknowledged it without acknowledging it. That's sort of how I, I view that answer. Yeah, and I, for me, I'm wondering what domino needs to fall here for Clowney to sign either in Cleveland or elsewhere. Um, the medicals are, continue to just be a question in my mind, possibly. Uh, I, I wonder, can we read in to anything with the, the Carl Joseph not being signed yet? I know that we had an opportunity to ask Barry about that. And again, he downplayed that and just said, look, it's difficult state to state, I think was his quote about trying to get these physicals figured out. And if I wonder, I wonder if that says a lot about the clowny situation where they can't get their hands on him and you're reluctant to give 17, 18 million to a guy that your doctors haven't looked at yet. So I'm wondering if that's a domino needs to fall that you just need to get a, a clearance on Clowney or is it just trying to figure out the, the money? Would you, is there more value in having Olivier Vernon play out his contract and then Mary Kay, how you've been 
continually talking about the compensatory pick market. They're trying to get back into that field. Maybe right. that's more value there than taking on Clowney. I'm sure these are things that are kicking back and forth, um, but I'm wondering what the, what the weight is. And I guess we're going to just have to keep waiting to find out. I think there's, it's probably a money issue and it's probably also a fit issue and it's got to be a fit for both sides. Jadavian Clowney has said he wants to go to a contender. I'm sure he would consider the Browns to be a contender, uh, but I would think that the medical part of it is something that you kind of worry about after you work a deal out. So I think it would just be a matter of, are they interested in him at the 17 or $18 million he's still seeking right now? Uh, is this something that happens on draft day or right around the draft? Uh, so I, I think right now it's probably a financial thing. And then after that, they'll get the medicals right. Okay. Uh, my takeaway here before we, we go to a break is just how he, how he spoke about how he approaches the draft. And I, I think it just sort of backs up what we've talked a little bit about here, the idea in free agency was to fill a bunch of needs, even on a short-term basis, you know, especially on the defensive side. But then you go into the draft looking for guys who can be long-term solutions that maybe, maybe they're not all going to hit the ground running, but you view these guys as cost-controlled, team-controlled guys. You know, you look at a guy like Larry Ogunjobi, right? He's go, finally going into the final year of his contract. It's been four years. He's been pretty cheap, especially considering some of the production he's had. You know, Miles Garrett has certainly been cheap for, for what he's given the Browns, even as a number one overall pick. Uh, just how they value bringing guys in and viewing them not as necessarily this guy's going to come in and be a star right away. If they do, that's great. But these are long-term investments they're trying to make in these draft picks. And I think, again, it's just little glimpses of how, how he views his team-building philosophy and, and how he views using the draft in that. Yeah, and I think that's uh, in part why they also signed so many uh, defenders to one-year contracts in free agency. Uh, these are guys, many of which are former first-round picks, that can step in, play a role, fill a hole for you, be part of rotation, maybe even win a starting job. Uh, so there's a lot of role players that he brought in so that he's not pressured uh, to find someone that can step right in and start right away. I mean, look at last year's linebackers, Mac Wilson, Sione Takitaki. I mean, the only reason really why Mac Wilson started as much as he did is because Christian Kirksey got hurt. Sione Takitaki barely got on the field at all. Uh, so I think that, you know, he is looking at it long-term in terms of some of the draft picks, especially some of the later draft picks. Obviously, you expect your number 10 overall pick is going to start, and you expect that your second round pick will start probably right away and maybe even one or both of the third round picks. But beyond that, uh, you're basically, like Dan mentioned, you know, you're building for the long-term future. And again, that's where all these other role players come in. And in addition to that, once again, uh, you're also playing the compensatory pick game with those guys. Yeah, smart teams, smart GMs, smart front offices keep their talent in-house, they extend early. Uh, probably you can look at the Eagles, for example, where Barry just was, uh, to me, where Stefanski just came from, the Vikings really mastered this until their cap got all sort of out of, out of loose because of what they did with Kirk Cousins. But the Vikings nailed a lot of draft picks, Stephon Diggs, that defense, Anthony Barr, Daniel Hunter, the list goes on and on, and they kept extending those guys early to suppress the market value so you don't get a Joe Schobert situation where 
I, I guarantee you, Schobert is going to sign a contract two years ago at probably seven and a half million or something like that. But when you let it go this far, you can go out and get 10 or 11 from a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's in a way what the Cowboys are dealing with now with Dak Prescott. And that's what Barry doesn't want to find a situation. He doesn't want to find himself in. He's going to draft guys he believes in and then retain those players after about two years when they become extension eligible. And that's how smart teams have been roster building. And that's what he wants the new Browns way to be, I'm sure. Yeah, and just off the top of my head, I mean, Schobert's a good example of a guy who came in, didn't do a lot his rookie year. He was playing outside linebacker, kind of ended up in, in, as the starting middle linebacker by accident, but settled in and developed really well. And, uh, you know, of course, it, it didn't work out that they were able to keep him. Had they maybe started negotiating earlier, they could have kept him around at a cheaper rate. Joel Batonio is a guy uh, that, that Ray Farmer drafted, going all the way back to Ray Farmer, who, who you brought in. And he started right away and has been really good from day one. Had some injury issues. Signed a pretty affordable extension now for a, for a left guard. You know, those are the sorts of things you're kind of trying to find in the draft as, as we go through this. And, and it seems like Andrew Barry understands that, which, which you'd expect because he's worked with the Tom Telescos of the world. He's worked with Howie Roseman. I, I mean, this is where he comes from. This is kind of the roster building that he knows, and, and you can kind of see it in the way he approached it in talking about it uh, on Friday. One of the other takeaways from, from Andrew Berry today that, that, that I had was uh, the fact that, really, I mean, when you earn a master's degree <laughs> from Harvard in computer science, I mean, you're going to be pretty well set heading into a virtual draft. I mean, if, yeah. if anybody can pull off virtual business in a virtual draft, it is the Cleveland Browns. They are set up for this. Uh, they are so tech savvy. They are so sophisticated. They are so smart uh, to be able to do this sort of thing. Uh, I mean, Andrew Berry is 32 years old, or 33 now, not rattled in the slightest bit. I mean, I, he, I think he almost wanted to laugh at some of our questions today because, you know, people were like, oh, how are you going to, how, how are you going to do the, you know, the war room? And like, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, and Andrew's like, we have the technology. It is available. We've got this, you know, and it's just so funny. They are so far advanced, so far ahead of so many people when it comes to this kind of thing. And these guys are just so smart, so intelligent. They're so into the whole analytics piece. Uh, you know, they're, this is just not, they're not phased at all about having to do it this way. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about that uh, after we take a break here. And by the way, Mary Kay, you and I both graduated from the Harvard of Portage County. So uh, <laughs> let's not, uh, we're pretty smart right. in our own right. They don't just give English degrees to anybody at, uh, at Kent State, <laughs> uh, at least in my That's case. Right. So uh, anyway, let me tell you real quickly about Football Insider. We've been rolling out this, uh, this mock draft that our texters have been doing. It's been kind of fun pulling that all together and seeing how it's played out. And we're going to have a post kind of updating everyone on that on cleveland.com slash browns uh we're also on tuesday we do our texture tuesdays uh it's a we we take all questions on the orange or brown talk podcast it's exclusive to football insiders here's what you need to know uh mary Kay, ellis scott patsko and me will text you a few times a day uh, with the inside scoop and analysis on the browns we text you breaking news uh, we had analysis on andrew barry up before there was even anything on our website this morning uh, you get a newsletter every morning 
with exclusive content. It doesn't show up anywhere else on our website. It only goes to our football insiders. We can text back and forth with you directly. It's a great way to connect with us without going through Twitter or, or any other social media channels. 14-day uh, free trial. It's $3.99 a month after that, but you can check it out with that 14-day free trial, and you can cancel anytime with just one text, but you won't want to. I've said this a few days in a row, I, I keep seeing that number of subscribers grow. So, so you wanna get in on this. And we've got some special perks coming up exclusively for our football insiders, including maybe a little, uh, maybe, it's not gonna be little, it's gonna be a big Zoom call. We're, we're still working on some of the details on that, but you'll wanna get involved in that. So you've gotta to subscribe to Football Insider. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page, or better yet, text me at 216 208 Three nine six five again. That's two one six two zero eight three nine six five. Okay, let's get back to uh, what you were talking about, Mary Kay. I, I think the one thing that that we do all come away with is if there's a front office that is equipped to deal with this virtual draft, this remote draft, uh, it, it's going to be this front office, uh, a young front office, a young head coach obviously a, a very strong understanding of, of technology and, you know, very analytically driven too, which, which I think helps in, in this matter as well. Uh, Ellis, I, it seems like this is a group that's going to be able to manage this. I didn't hear any flinch in Andrew Berry's voice today when he was talking about it. Yeah, if the Browns are getting the brunt end of the no OTAs, no minicamp, no ability to meet your players and start a new culture, then at least it's getting offset in a way by the youth that is within the Browns organization in the front office, specifically starting with Andrew Barry, as we've said, age 33, and Kevin Safanski, I believe, like 37. Uh, you know, Barry is probably from the generation of, uh, and, and no disrespect to his father, who I know is a, a member of the media and has done a great job in his career, but, you know, teaching his parents about, you know, just the computers and the internet and uh, Facebook and all this stuff. I'm sure he has a, a, a lot of experience, not only with that, but just of tech in general. And this comes right in the wheelhouse for someone of his age and his demographic. You, yeah, look, I said it before we got on here. So I, I guess I'll just say it here. you think of the New York Giants and, and Dave Gettleman? And, and you just, I'm sure look, these guys have been trained in tech to a point, but it's tough to teach an old dog new tricks. And when you're a, an OG scout like that and hands-on and can talk with your colleagues face-to-face -face and go back and forth about guys, this has completely uprooted the, the draft process as we know. And I, I've said before, I think that there's going to be studies on this draft, why guys miss compared to when guys missed in other years, that, that bias of talking to people you just want to hear confirmation from is essentially gone you, of course you can call anyone you want to but I'm just saying that face-to-face -face in the building every day is gone so I think this lands perfectly for the Browns and as I said though they can't start the new Browns culture with practice I think they're going to be one of the franchises with a leg up when it comes to tech and being ready for a virtual draft in fact you know while we're at it we should probably consult with Andrew Barry and see if he <laughs> could help us figure out how to do the subtexter Browns Insider draft show that we are trying to pull off uh, for next Thursday night because, you know, we're going to have, uh, you know, it's going to be very high tech and uh, we're going to try to bring everybody in for this. And we really could use someone that graduated cum laude from Harvard with a computer science degree. 
yeah, maybe, maybe we can get Andrew, you know, on the call somehow. We, we won't tell him what it is. He'll just kind of zoom in and all of a sudden there'll be like a hundred people on this call ready to ask him questions. But uh, yeah, I feel like, I, I, go ahead, Alice. No, I, I was just gonna say, I don't think he needs a, a, <laughs> an, an advance or Cleveland.com paycheck anymore. He's landed that big GM gig. I, I don't know if, if we can, uh, if we have what it takes to reel him in, but any volunteer help we'll take. Yeah, that, that's probably fair. Uh, all right, so that I think will do it here for our Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Like I said earlier, you got to subscribe to Football Insider. There's still time to get in on this draft show that, that we are going to try and pull off this week. So you want to get information on that and get involved in that. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, any place you listen to your podcast, make sure you're subscribed and please leave us reviews good reviews. We love to see those and we love to read those. So for Mary Kay and Ellis, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.